Uh, if you have your Bibles, turn to Ephesians chapter 1. While you turn there, let me tell you a story. There was a, there was a man who found himself in a wilderness longing to escape the barren desert where there was uh, no way of survival. There was no food that could sustain him, no water that he could drink. He found himself in this barren wilderness, and he was looking for um, somewhere to live. Couldn't find it. He searched high and low through uh, uh, valleys and trenches, uh, looking to escape the wilderness But every step was another step toward hopelessness, not hope. Every step that he took was a step toward death and not life. Until he came to a a grand chasm or a canyon. And on his side of the chasm was the wilderness. But as he peered across the canyon, he saw lush vegetation. He saw animals. Uh, He saw a way of life that from where he stood looked like paradise. He began to search, no longer trying to escape the wilderness he was in. He was just trying to get to the paradise. Uh, He looked for a way across the chasm. It was too deep and wide for him to climb down and then climb back up. It was too deep and too wide for him to to jump across. He was looking for a way across the chasm into the lush living that the paradise offered, but he was disappointed. He tried chopping down, uh, uh, finding sticks uh, that he could uh, throw across the chasm, but they were too short. He tried to find a rope that he could try to sling across and then swing across And there was nothing to be found. He was giving up hope. He was giving up hope because he was on one side of a chasm and the paradise was on the other side of the chasm. And he believed that no matter how much he tried, he was never going to get across. That is the plight of every human being ever born. We are on one side of a grand chasm. There is paradise on the other, but our side features lifeless living, hopeless living, a life of eventual misery and just deadness. And we're looking for a way to cross into lush living that paradise offers. Not the fake paradise that so often features in Hallmark movies or uh, uh, promises of Las Vegas lifestyle. By the way, if you really do believe the, 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 the promise, what happens in Vegas stays in Vegas, and that's a good thing, please don't believe that. That is a lie. Number one, it won't stay in Vegas. And number two, it will never satisfy your soul. And here we are looking for an answer, an answer to the riddle of our life's problem. We see the paradise on the other side. That's what we see. There is hope over there. There is life over there. There is meaning over there. There is satisfaction over there. But we're stuck on our side. And so, 
Men and women, boys and girls, all around the world, every day that they are born until the day they die, are on this terminal wheel of misery, incompleteness. Now, we try to numb the misery and the pain with uh, all kinds of different fun things, but the misery remains. But God has provided the solution. In fact, the Scripture says that God has provided the way for us to cross the chasm from the wilderness wasteland of misery and death into the lush living of the fullness of life, a life that is satisfied and complete. And the bridge that crosses that chasm has a name. His name is Jesus. And for those of us who have tasted the lush living of God's grace and the forgiveness that Jesus offers, we can testify, and we do testify, that yes, I once was living a lost kind of life filled with hopelessness and despair. But then I met Jesus, and he took me into the lush living of God's great grace and forgiveness. He brought me into God's family, and my life has never been the same since. Everything changed on that day for me and for many of you. Jesus is that bridge that crosses the chasm. But what causes the chasm between us and the lush living? Simple. Your sin and mine. Our sin has separated us from God, and we cannot do enough good stuff to make up for the sin, the bad stuff in our life. God doesn't operate on that kind of scales kind of system. The reality is that your sin, no matter how slight you may see it, my sin, no matter how minor I might name it, our sin has separated us from God and destined us for a life in the wilderness. And the chasm is too wide and too deep for any good work to cross. The chasm is too wide and too deep for any philosophy or any pleasure or any prosperity to get us to the other side. We are limping along toward death. But God in his great grace has offered every sinner life through Jesus. And if you have experienced that life that God offers through Jesus Christ, you and I, we have a reason to celebrate. Because we're no longer in the wilderness. We're now in paradise. What God has done for us in Christ. He sent Jesus to die for our sin upon a cross, and that cross uh, becomes the bridge between us and God's family, between us and paradise. Through faith, we take hold of Jesus, and we believe and see and know that He is God, and He died for me upon the cross in my place for my sin, and we give Him our lives, and He brings us into the lush living of paradise, God's family.
And God in his grace takes traitors like Eric Thomas and he forgives me. And he adopts me into his family as a son. And he gives me his name and he welcomes me to his table and he fills my life with life. (laughs) And if you're a follower of Jesus, you know exactly what I'm talking about. And it gives us reason to celebrate. In Ephesians chapter 1, the Apostle Paul, writing from imprisonment. So often we start reading what Paul writes or what uh, the authors of the New Testament have to say, and we forget the context of their living. In this context, Paul is in prison, like he was in Philippians. Do you know what the letter of Philippians is known as? It's known as the letter of joy. While Paul is in prison, he writes a letter characterized by joy. Here in Ephesians, we see Paul's joyful celebration, not because of his circumstances, but because of what God has done for him in Christ Jesus. Ephesians chapter 1, beginning verse 3, Paul begins, again, while he's pinning this, Imagine the chains on his wrists are clanking while he's riding on the parchment. Imagine the scent, the wafting smell of a dungeon floating through the air. Imagine the pain of the scars on his back as he had been beaten. Imagine his eyes searching for any hint of light by which he could write this letter. Everything around Paul said, be in despair. But Paul wrote Ephesians chapter 1 verse 3, Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ who has blessed us with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places in Christ Jesus. Just as he chose us in him before the foundation of the world, that we should be holy and without blame before him in love. In love, having predestined us to adoption as sons and daughters. By Jesus Christ, to himself, according to the good pleasure of his will. To the praise of the glory of his grace, by which he made us accepted in the beloved. Now verse 7. In him... In Jesus, in him, we have redemption through his blood. The forgiveness of sin according to the riches of his grace. Friends, if you're a follower of Jesus, you have reason to celebrate. We're entering into the week of Thanksgiving, and how can we be thankful? If you're a follower of Jesus, you must be thankful. You must be thankful because... No matter the dumpster fire of your circumstances around you, no matter the cultural chaos in which we find ourselves swimming, we have been forgiven and brought into God's family. Oh, friends, we celebrate, we rejoice, we give thanks. Because I'm no longer on this side of a chasm walking in the wilderness wasteland of despair. 
and hopelessness. Now I'm in the lush living of God's family, surrounded by his grace and his mercy and his peace and his hope and his wisdom and his understanding. I am in God's family. I'm no longer separated from the promises of God. I'm living them because I'm a son or a daughter of God through faith in Jesus Christ. Today we celebrate because Jesus died so that we might live. Give thanks. Jesus died so that we, you, might live. Ephesians 1, 7, in him we have. Let's just stop there for a second. In Christ, we have something. Not we could have, not we wish we had. We have in our present possession. In Christ, we have as our present possession redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of sin. Redemption is a very particular word in Scripture. Some of you theologian type people, when I say redemption is a very particular word, y'all are going to love that if you're theologically inclined. But regardless, I thought it was great. But again, I'll have to tell one of my preacher buddies and they'll laugh. Think, oh, that was a good. But anyway. <laughs> redemption is a very particular word in Scripture. It means the price paid to set someone free. In Christ, who is God, who became man, who died on a cross for sinners like you and me, in him, when I'm connected to him, when I abandon myself into his arms, when I put my faith in him and him alone to cross me, uh, to take me across the chasm into God's family, in him, now I have been set free from the prison, the cell that my sin has created. In Christ, I'm set free. This is my present position, possession. This is your present possession. You have been set free from sin's embrace. The cell of sin, the cell of sin no longer holds sway. Jesus has ripped the bars open and brought you out of that cell into God's family. You've been bought with the price of his blood. In Christ, we have redemption through his blood. We've been set free, but it came at a great price. A price that we could not pay for our own freedom but a price that Jesus paid so that we might be set free. Jesus, who is God, died for sinners like you and me and upon a cross so that through faith in him we might be set free. Jesus died in my place for my sin so that the particular rescue might be applied to me. So that I am now set free. Brothers and sisters, if you're a follower of Jesus Christ, Jesus has particularly, specifically, and intentionally set you free. We've been set free in Christ. 
we now have redemption through his blood, which means we have forgiveness of sin. Not only have we been set free from the cell that our sin has created and trapped us in, but we've also been cleansed from the guilt that our sin has stained us with. We've been forgiven. Forgiven for now. Forgiven tomorrow. Forgiven forever. The forgiveness is not based upon what I do. The forgiveness is based upon what Jesus has done. He is the sufficient and perfect sacrifice for sinners like you and me. It is through him, his death, that I am forgiven and have life. We have reason to give thanks. And it may be dark outside, but the light of that glorious truth brings hope to every sinner's heart. Today, we celebrate Because Jesus died so that we might be forgiven. But not only that, this forgiveness that God gives us through faith in Jesus Christ, this forgiveness loads us up with the riches of his grace. Now look, in him, in Christ, when I am united with Christ through faith in him, in him, We have as our present possession redemption, rescue through his blood, the forgiveness of sin, and then this phrase, according to the riches of his grace. According to the riches of his grace. Good gravy, great sakes alive, do you understand what that means? It's a grace that not only is applied to us, we don't earn God's family. None of us do. Look, I've been a Baptist since before I was born. And not just any kind of Baptist, Southern Baptist. Southern Baptist. And not just any kind of Southern Baptist. I'm the son of a Southern Baptist preacher. And God in his humor made me then a Southern Baptist preacher. And I can tell you with absolute certainty that there is nothing about following the rules of Southern Baptist, independent, fundamental Baptist, Catholic, Methodist, Episcopalian, Pentecostal, non-denominational, following those rules will never cross the chasm that our sin has created. Ever. Ever. But God in his grace gave us Jesus. And he built the bridge that all our efforts could never accomplish. It is all of grace, none of me. I don't contribute to my own rescue. Jesus, the king of glory, became the sacrifice for my sin so that through faith in him, a faith that he awakens in my heart, I can now be part of God's family. And there's nothing about Eric Thomas that deserves it. (laughs) It's all of God's grace. The forgiveness that I have received 
fills my soul, my life, my all with the grace of the living God. So every day is an adventure of this grace that has rescued me. But it's not just a grace that rescues. It's a grace that sustains and empowers and equips and strengthens me every day from here to heaven. Oh, the glorious grace that abounds toward us. Verse 8, Paul said, hey, listen, let me tell you something. The riches of his grace, verse 8, which abound, overflow toward us so that we might have wisdom and understanding, so that we might know God more fully and know how he operates, so that we might see ourselves clearly and how dependent we are upon him, so that we might move and live in this life day to day for his glory. Guys, listen. We are forgiven through the sacrifice of Christ. He died so that we might be forgiven and live, celebrate. And this forgiveness that he gives us makes us rich in the grace of God that sustains us and strengthens us and leads us from here all the way to heaven. Guys, listen. Today, when we come to the Lord's Supper, communion, and that's what we're celebrating today. When we come to communion, here's what we're doing. We're declaring once again that the only reason we are part of God's family is because of what God has done for us, His grace that He's poured and lavished out toward us. We're declaring once again this heart of celebration, this salsa of the soul that begins to celebrate because of what God has done for us in Christ. And this is not merely a religious tradition that we follow or a liturgy that we embrace. This meal is something Jesus gave us to do so that we might remember So that we might celebrate. So that we might once again have that Old Testament celebration that we find in Psalm 103. Bless the Lord, O my soul, and all that is within me. Bless his holy name. Bless the Lord, O my soul, and forget not all his benefits. Who forgives all your iniquities. Who heals all your diseases. Who lifts your soul up out of the pit. Who crowns you with tender mercies and loving kindness. Who renews you with the strength of an eagle. Oh my goodness, that's what we celebrate every day. Because we walk hand in hand with the nail-pierced hand. Because we walk hand in hand with Jesus. And the grace that he gives sustains and strengthens us. Oh, So, as we come to the table. We're celebrating this meal that Jesus gave us to celebrate. The Gospels tell us that Jesus met with his disciples. John 13 it begins like this. He said, having loved his own, he loved them to the very end. I love that phrase. Can, can I tell you? Can, can, I, can I tell you? That Jesus has loved you and he loves you to the very end.
He loves you to the very nth degree. Goes on, Jesus celebrated Passover with his disciples, this Jewish celebration of Exodus from bondage in Egypt. And then Jesus filled that Jewish meal with greater significance. And Jesus took that meal and he defined it not as simply a Jewish remembrance of an Old Testament exodus, but he applied it to you and to me. Scripture says he took the bread and he broke it and he passed it around and then he gave that bread meaning. He said this bread is a picture of his body that was about to be broken so that you and I might be forgiven and be part of God's family. And he took the cup and he passed it and he said, he said the cup, the picture of the cup is, is his blood, his cup of the new covenant, his blood shed for the forgiveness of sin. And then he said, this is what the church ought to be doing. The family created by his grace ought to celebrate the sacrifice of Christ that makes us family. Makes us family together, makes us part of God's family. So today, that's what we're doing. And this meal, uh, there's going to be elements, and, and it really is just one, one package. And in that one package, on one side of the package is a little wafer, and on the other side of the package is some juice. And if you're part of God's family through faith in Christ, this meal is filled with the significance of Christ himself. We celebrate. We remember. If you're not part of God's family, and I, I'm, I, even if you're a religious person, if you're not part of God's family through faith in Christ, it's just a stale cracker and some weird-tasting juice. That's all it is. But if you are part of God's family, this is what inspires us to celebrate so that together we might declare, bless the Lord, O my soul, and all that is within me, bless his holy name. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places in Christ Jesus, just as he chose us in him before the foundation of the world, that we should be holy and without blame before him in love, in love, having predestined us to adoption as sons and daughters, inviting us to his table and giving us his name. Oh, we have reason to celebrate. Would you bow your heads with me, please? Oh, God in heaven, as we have gathered here in your name and for your glory, I pray that as we prepare our hearts to take this communion meal, that you would once again remind us of this wondrous grace that you have given us in Christ. And spark in our hearts the gratitude that that grace elicits. Build in our soul a crescendo of praise to you for Jesus who died for our sins so that we might live. And it's in the name of Jesus we pray. Amen.
In a moment, our deacons, our deacons, that's who's going to be standing behind these tables. They're going to stand behind the table, and then they're going to help you come forward and get one of the elements. And they've got some, uh, if you can't come forward, they've got a tray, and they can give you one one of the elements. Now, we'll walk through how to open and partake together. So you come, and you get one of the elements, and you go back to where you were seated, and just wait for everyone to be served, and then we will celebrate together by taking communion as a family of faith. Gentlemen, would you stand? On the night that Jesus was betrayed, as he was celebrating the meal, he took a piece of bread, unleavened bread, kind of like our crackers, and he broke it and he passed it to his disciples. In this little contraption, on one side you have a little cracker and on the other side you have some juice. If you'll turn the contraption so that the juice is on the bottom and the cracker's on the top. And if you'll just peel that top away, put the little cracker in your hand. It's a simple piece of bread, but it reminds us of who Jesus is. Jesus said, he is the bread from heaven. He is the bread that gives life. Whoever believes in him will never hunger. Who follows him will never thirst again. He moves us from the wilderness of despair and plants us in God's family, the paradise of hope. When Jesus described himself to his disciples on that night, he said, this is the bread, the bread that pictures my body being broken for you. And he said, eat and remember. After he broke the bread and passed it, he took the cup. So take your contraption and turn it over and gently peel back the top. When Jesus did this with his disciples, they had one cup. And they would fill it with wine and then they would pass it among themselves. So when he says... When, when, he, when he talks about the cup, he's holding up the single cup, not a multitude of cups. What he said about the cup was simply this. This singular cup is the cup of the new covenant. My blood shed for many for the forgiveness of sin. Drink all of it. As often, as often as we eat the bread and drink the cup, we declare 
proclaim that life comes through the death of Jesus Christ. Would you bow your heads with me, please? Father, thank you so much for the gift of your grace in Christ Jesus who forgives our sin. Thank you that being part of your family is not something that's dependent upon my goodness or my religious devotion or my intellectual pursuits, but rather being part of your family is solely dependent upon Jesus Christ, that I believe that he is your son, that he died on a cross for my sin, that he was raised from the dead to give me a new life, and it's through him that I find forgiveness and have been, been made fit for your family. So, Father, as we celebrate, as we celebrate this wondrous forgiveness that you give us in Christ Jesus, I pray that you would spark in our hearts a song of rejoicing and thanksgiving. As we turn our eyes toward Jesus, as we focus upon Him, as we apply the truth of Hebrews 12, that if we're going to run the race with endurance, we're going to cast aside the sin that so easily ensnares us, and we're going to set our gaze upon Jesus, who is the author and the finisher of our faith. Today, O oh God, we set our focus on the love and the grace that you've given us by focusing on Jesus. And now, may we sing the song of celebration, setting our eyes upon our Savior, who has brought us into the lush living of your family. And now be glorified among your people as we worship you through song. And it's in the name of Jesus we pray.